This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this podcast is a conversation on the Four Faith weekly devotional sent out every Friday. You can find a link in this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe to Four Faith in the episode description. Bishop, you wrote a real scary devotion this week. <laughs> <laughs> it was called Scary, and you were talking about ghosts and goblins, and of course, Halloween had something to do with this. A little bit, yeah. Right? But it's really based on Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 46, and you you finish with what Jesus says. is It's, you shall love you, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, which is from the Old Testament, too. And he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. And this is the hard part. The hard part. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So I'm wondering what you think this might tell us about God and the love of God. Yeah, in some ways that connects to what we talked about last week, which is like, so where's the bar at for God? Like what you know? What what does God want? I mean, you know, for all of the sermonizing and all the communion taken and all the Bible study, like what you know? Tell us, God, what do you want, man? <laughs> uh, and and it's interesting that the answer is, you know, I, I I would love if you loved me, and I would love if you loved each other the way I love you. Like that's it. Like not you know. There's no, there's no, um, I mean, implied in all that is, is a, is a, is a whole life lived differently than the world says life should be lived, you know, lived. But it's really simple and, and the most difficult thing that you and I could ever try to do, right? And so I, I just, I love that, and, and the reason why I wanted to talk about that now is because I'm, I'm worried. Um, and I've been worried, and many of us have been worried. I'm, I'm worried now that Jesus has been sort of co-opted, right? Um, and and people are laying claim to Jesus and his words uh, and his stories without this part, right? So they're doing some real revisionist uh, theology here. They they want they want the authority you know, of a 33-year-old brown guy from nowhere whose parents, whose dad was a day laborer. They want that authority, but like they don't, they don't want to adopt what he said was the highest and the best. And so I think every time society does that, every time we have done that, every time the church has done that, every time sort of quasi sort of Christian organizations have done that, we have done you know, nearly irreparable damage to one another, right? So I want, I want the, I want the, I want the, the moral authority of laying claim to Jesus uh, of Nazareth, but I don't want to do the work he invited us to do. I don't want his spirituality, right? I just want his name. It's like, a, it's like I want it, I want his branding, right? But I don't, but I, I want to everything else. And that, that, to me is scary. And that's why I wrote it, of course, you know, using scary and ghosts and goblins and all that to just do a spin on Halloween. But I'm, I'm worried about the zombie, what I call the zombie nature of that, right? Which is, which is to lay claim to Jesus, but to be lifeless uh, in terms of how he defines life. 
And so, you know, people often joke, you know, are you prepared for the zombie apocalypse? In some ways, the Christian zombie apocalypse is happening right now. Is to think that we, you know, we treat Jesus as if he is a white male Southerner, uh, NRA uh, member, um, and a member of a particular political party who speaks English. Um which is which is <laughs> which is you've got to do some serious yoga moves to get there, right? You got to do some contortions, like only a zombie can spin their head around and <sighs> flick off their arm and flip their hips around, right? So, so we've zombieized this thing um, because we don't really want his life and his teaching an example. We just want. Um, the a moral authority to justify what we already want to do, our prejudices, our pettiness. We just want Jesus to agree with us. We don't want to agree with Jesus. So I'm I'm struck listening to you and looking at the words that Jesus shared. I wonder if if when we can't love our neighbor, does it mean that we're not loving God enough? Like, which comes first? Like, is it linear? Do we have to love God with all our heart in order for us to love others? I wonder. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think what I want to do again here, what I want to do is I want to, I want to give both the Old Testament law and Jesus's, you know, reference to it. I want to give that primacy in how I answer that question, right? So if Jesus started off with, if the law started off with love God with heart, mind, soul, and strength, then maybe maybe that's where we go, right? Because I think it's it's in that utter devotion to the divine that I it begins to to be it begins to become clear to me that you are my sibling, right? So you know, and that way I don't if I'm loving you, God, with my heart, mind, soul, and strength, that means that sort of I I need to elevate some of my some of the stuff I'm bringing to that. And I'm being transformed in that relationship. And so as I'm being transformed in my relationship, it is incarnated in neighbor love. I worry about people who say, they've, they've, you know, was that one wonderful line in scripture? You know, uh, nobody's ever seen God, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, who we have seen is our neighbor. Uh, and so, I mean, it's the good Samaritan story. It's, you know, you're walking past the person in the ditch on the way to a church service. Right. You know, human beings have that ability. Right. We have that ability. And, and you know, this this calling us back to this thing, um, you know, really helps us to put, you know, flesh on these ideas. I mean, it's just philosophy without that. Right. And philosophy is fine, but that's just not Jesus is not philosophy. You know, philosophizer in, in charge here is Lord and Savior. And, and Lord, at least for me, has everything to do with. I incarnated these ideas, therefore. And, and I think that's what we're being invited to. And I, I also, we want to talk about this now because, um, you know, we also want, we feel like it's, I feel like it's, it's, the, it's the work of every believer to not be seduced into some sort of lifeless version of Christ. And so, you know, the bishop stands up and says, will you guard the faith that his or her consecration, ordination. But I I think that work, it does fall to the bishop, but I think that work falls to all of us, right, who are baptized. And so it's not just my job to guard, right? 
uh, it's your job. And so it's as you see us living out Christianity that, that doesn't bear any resemblance to love neighbor or love God, heart, mind, soul, and strength. I mean, it's, it's our job to say, hey, you know, as gently as we can, not condemning people, but to say, I'm not, that feels like stripes and polka dots, <laughs> you know, and, and um, I think that's the, the work of all of us. And some of us will do that with words, and some of us will do that with books, and some of us will do that with art, and some of us will do that with sermons, and, you know, but I, I think it has to be done, because I, I think if we don't, right, so the zombies want to steal life from us. And the life they want to steal is this moral imperative, which is really life, which is if you love God with heart, mind, soul, and strength, and if you love neighbor uh, as self, you will have life. You will be walking down a road that leads in a particular destination that is life. If you do not, you know, you're on the zombie highway, right, (laughs) which is a facsimile thereof, but no life. It's artificial fruit. You know, remember grandma used to have bowls of plastic fruit. You remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's what that is. It's bowls of plastic fruit. It has the appearance of fruit. But the closer you get to it, you realize how fake it is. And if you bite it, well, sorry for you. Well, on that note, (laughs) we'll be right back. We'll be right back with four people after a short break. If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome back to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Bishop, you posed two questions in the middle of your devotion this week. You said, have you noticed the prevalence of Jesus's cross at events where people talk in terms that Jesus clearly condemned? And then you asked, how do you square that? And when I read that, I thought, well, we square that and say, love or hate the sin, love the sinner. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's how we square that. So I'm wondering if you can share a few thoughts on what the practice of all of this is. What, how can we? Yeah. Well, I think one of the first things we've got to do. So I, 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 some, some, uh, weeks back, we had Barbara Brown Taylor on, and and she said that you know part of how she is Barbara is just sort of you know noticing where the crowd is going, and then turning around and noticing those things in the other direction. And I really appreciated that simplistic but profound definition, right, of, of how someone gets to be called a contrarian. Um, you know, I, I just want to notice, you know, I guess the, the first step would be to notice, you know, to notice that, that many of us are, are, are laying claim to Jesus and his spirituality. <clears throat> but the words we use for the majority of the day bear no resemblance. And it's just it's just, a, you know, it's a hard task, but it's just to ask, you know, how how is it that my mind and my behind are not in line here? Um, how, how is that? I mean, or what excuses have I provided myself to not hold those things together? Right. Cause what you're basically talking about is integrity. You're talking about is, you know, what is the integrity of my belief? Right. And so, you know, am, am I making Jesus in my image or have I made myself available to Jesus so that I can be made, you know, and celebrate, you know, uh, his image in me, in my life. 
I mean, I think that's the fun. Who is God is the, is the question. Who is God in this relationship? Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think we have to notice it, number one. And, and, if, and when we notice, I think we have to ask questions. They don't have to be aggressive questions. They don't have to be condemning questions. But my question in the meditation is, is how do you square that? Like, like walk me through how, how lots of Christians can be in an event where people are talking about people you know, they're disparaging them unceasingly, not an occasional slip up or mistake. We all do that. But, but like, like as, as a body of work, um, and, and, and then how are we, like, how are you then putting Christian frosting on that cake? Like, I, I like, I, I want to know that. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to tell people what that should look like when they get done with that investigation. I just want people to investigate it. Because I think, you, you know, Jesus tells these wonderful stories, but at the end of his stories, he says, now, you know, basically, what do you think? And, and people have to walk away with, with that, because I think that's the only way maturity happens, is that people sort of lay claim to the gaps between what they say and what they do, and then within themselves, purpose to close the gap. I think that's the only way maturity happens. Maturity doesn't just happen by being browbeat by some big mouth bishop or preacher, right? I think... In, in the best case scenario, we can heighten some things, maybe gently lay bare some things and then ask people to do their work. And so that's why I'm asking, how do you square that? How do you square? And you see it in the left and you see it in the right politically. But how do you square that? Right. Um, or, or do we just sort of let let ourselves let, let those folks off the hook? And then the second question in that meditation was, is that, you know, well, if we're willing to pardon, you know, the people at the microphone for, you know, non-Christian speak, even though they claim to be Christians. Like, how do we as the crowd, how do we pardon ourselves on what grounds? Right, on what grounds, right? That we have now ingested it, celebrated it, commended it, supported it, right? And then, so so I think, I think that this is, you know, uh, well, you know, um, Ambassador Andy Young is a friend and, and, uh, you know, talking to him is, it's always just a, a buffet of wisdom. And, uh, he was reflecting to me that, you know, Dr. King had a lot more friends when he was dead than he did alive. <laughs> and, and I think Jesus has a lot more friends dead than, than he did alive. And in, in other words, I think we like Jesus dead. We like our prophets dead where we can paint on their canvases. Um, you know, we, we reduce them to sound bites. And so I can wear some shiny metal around my neck and think that that is the fulfillment of what he taught when it's not. Um, or we think I can stroke a check here and there. Or I can say some magic spiritual incantation words and uh, I, I've, I'm fulfilling, you know, um, the great commandment and, and we're not. Um, but, you know, for me, it's not dire. Um, for me, you know, at the bottom, we don't break, we bounce. And so, yeah. So I think the invitation is the invitation is go ahead and interrogate your life. God already loves you. You know, no matter how much you, you find yourself, you know, at odds with what he said and did, God already loves you. God, you know, so this whole notion of loving the sinner, loving the sinner, but hating sin. I don't know about that. I do know that God loves sinners, period. Period. I like that because yeah. in that, that tells me a lot about God, tells me about my place, <laughs> gives me some reality with which to view myself and other people. You know, I, 
I'm always scared of perfect church people. They make me really nervous. I'd rather be with <laughs> I'd rather be with sinners who 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 have an abiding sense that they have been redeemed. Now those are those are those are people to chat with. But the other sort of the other sort of way to be um which is really just about your own virtues um over your redemption I think is fragile and hollow um so yeah I think and I think at the bottom line is is that what I what worries me most and uh, the challenge is is that to what extent am I being a Christian zombie right I think that's the question for all of us to what it to what extent am I a facsimile of the words that I say are ultimate, right? And then what are the opportunities for me today when we, you and I get off this podcast for me to, you know, not be a zombie today? Well, I, I got two lessons out of this conversation, Bishop. The first one is don't be a zombie. <laughs> and the second one was love life back into the zombies, you know. Yeah. Right. So, you know, maybe, you know, that maybe that'd be a great Christian science fiction movie, which is rather than for us, <laughs> rather than for us to sort of, you know, riddle the zombies with bullets or chop, chop their heads off or whatever they do in the movies. You know, I mean, I think this is what Jesus does, isn't it? I mean, this is, this is, this is the word, right? For us is that, that no matter how much you betray, no matter how you, how you choose lifelessness over life, you know, Jesus is standing at your tomb, at my tomb at our lifelessness and saying, you know, live again, live again, find your way back home. You're welcome back home. You know, this is why I always love the prodigal son story. You, there's life after the pig trough, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I might preach that sermon one day. That's a, that's, that's a good title, <laughs> life after the pig trough. And so, and so when I think about people who, who wittingly or unwittingly, uh, my own self um, misstepped and misaligned myself, uh, with the zombies, I feel like, you know, what do I do now? Now, what is the prayer, right? Now, what is the prayer? And the prayer is come home, right? The, 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 the prayer is repent and return to the Lord, as we say in the baptismal covenant, right? And that may mean for some of us to embark on a slow, deep read of what Jesus actually said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. Amen. Bishop, thank you. And thank you listeners for tuning in to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.